Welcome to the April episode of International Voices. I am your host and moderator, Udo Fluck, and I have the honor to oversee the Global Office in Arts Missoula. International Voices started in spring of 2020. To listen to previous podcast episodes, please visit artsmissoula.org, click on Global, and visit Radio and Podcasts. International Voices is a monthly podcast brought to you by Arts Missoula Global and The Trail 1033. During the past three years, we established an audience with listeners in 10 countries around the world. The 11 monthly International Voices podcast episodes in 2023 are exclusively sponsored by Orr McDonnell Law in Missoula, your advocates for all personal, injury, family law, and landlord-tenant matters. This episode is part three of a three-part series on organizations and nonprofits that have aided Missoula to become a more diverse community. I am thrilled to talk to several leaders in our community that have done exactly that, helped with their programming, services, and products to make Missoula a more diverse community. For this April episode of International Voices, I welcome Leticia Buckelk Thunder and Dacia Criego, co-founders of Indigenous Made Missoula, to the recording studio. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Of course. One of the newest organizations in Missoula is Indigenous Made Missoula. Both of you were instrumental in getting the organization started. Can you please tell us about the organization and its mission? Indigenous Made Missoula is an indigenous women-led social enterprise empowering a diverse indigenous art and talent network that is fiscally sponsored by Arts Missoula. We were founded on Indigenous Peoples Day of 2022. Wonderful. And we've created an inclusive and equitable space for indigenous peoples, artisans, businesses from all walks of life to express themselves through uh, whatever medium that they choose. We've hosted um, up to this point three First Peoples Markets and have um, established and kind of developed the Indigenous Art Network through Indigenous Made Missoula. Now, while this is something that um, was officiated last year, I would think that this took a long time to plan. So how far does this idea go back and how did it sort of develop over time to actually mature to that idea of Indigenous Made Missoula? Uh, so Leticia and I met about five or six years ago at a sewing class. Um, we were learning how to make traditional regalia for our daughters um, okay. for the upcoming powwow season that year. And we connected as parents, as moms and artists. And um, through our friendship, we would talk about a lack of space for Indigenous makers, a lack of representation in a lot of the artist spaces that already existed okay. in Missoula. And so that's kind of how it started probably like three years ago. Um, at this point, we were sitting by the river and just talking about how much we wished a space existed specifically for us and just dreamed out loud about what that would look like and realized that our 
dream was similar and just kept talking about it. And the more we would talk about it, we would also hear from our community that other people also wanted this space to exist. And so probably two years ago um, is when we really started talking about what it could look like logistically and realistically. And then about a year ago, pushed ourselves even more to look at the logistics and who might be involved and what might it look like. And then finally, last summer, we just said, we have to do it. We have to try and see what happens. And we just decided to go for it. We gave ourselves a date to launch, which was Indigenous Peoples Day, right? Um, and then went from there. Wow. But that is really neat that it's something that there was passion for it for quite some time. And you looked at it through different eyes, through the eyes of mothers that were putting together art projects for their kids or or sewing pieces of clothing for for a certain reason. Then Mm -hmm. you looked at it through the eyes of artists. So I think it's really unique to sort of have this mature in a way where you took the time to really look at it from different angles and still carry that passion through the entire process. So that's really cool. In addition to both of you, are there other individuals that are part of the organization that help you or that you would like to mention uh, that are part of um, Indigenous Made Missoula? Yeah, so we, um, since launching in October, we've worked with close to 50 artists that are all Indigenous from mostly from Western Montana Mm -hmm. or based in Western Montana, but that represent a number of different tribal nations. And then we have formed um, an advisory committee, and those members are Alishon Kelly, Aspen Decker, Cameron Decker, Shadow Devereaux, Monica Gillies Brings Yellow, and Megan Rides at the Door. So there's actually a small group of people that are working together on this. You two are the co-founders, and then the aforementioned are individuals that are playing unique parts in, in the organization. Yeah, so we've created the advisory council because we have realized after months into this that it's a lot of work, and it is just Letitia and I making all of the decisions, and so just just wanting to be community-informed and have sure. different perspectives help us as we make sure. decisions along the way. I didn't have an advisory council for years. And then I thought it would be nice to stop talking to myself. Mm -hmm. If I wanted advice or feedback, if if I would actually have other people to talk to, to say, (laughs) hey, I have an idea, Uh, what do you think? Before I just sort of asked myself, Udo, what do you think of this? And then I would hear this (laughs) voice in my head, I would go, that sounds like a good idea. But, you know, it's not really any, it's not a, a really creative process. You're just doing what you think the, is the way it should be done. But it's so nice to to involve other individuals that are equally passionate about it and to just hear and bounce off ideas. And, and oftentimes, you know, the ideas that come out of that creative process are so much better than one's own because you hear the different perspectives from other people. So I I totally agree with you. Having an advisory council is like the best thing ever (laughs) because then you're not carrying the whole weight on your shoulders, but you actually have a group of people to say, hey, how would you do it? Tell me and, and guide me along. So that's really cool. We're from the community. We've been in Missoula, both of us, for over a decade. And um, being makers and being a part of other um, arts markets and festivals, I think, has really given us this. Well, at first, we really carried it all by ourselves. Sure. And after, I think, feeling the weight of that, I think we were very grateful and fortunate to be able to have a community 
to be able to reach out to and that have been incredibly supportive and instrumental in this um, idea forming and also us understanding that this doesn't belong to us and that this is for the people, right. you know, by us. We're um, community members and we're incredibly passionate about representation and making sure that what we're doing and how we're creating this is uh, for the betterment of our entire community, right. as well as Missoula. Um, how does Indigenous Made Missoula increase the visibility and space and Indigenous representation in Missoula? Um, one of the things that we've been really intentional about is when we do our first events, they've been first people's markets. And so they're like like people's markets, but Indigenous focused. And one of our intentions when we choose venues has been to choose either historic locations in Missoula or places that are like highly visible. So we've had our events so far at Karis Park, the Missoula Fairgrounds, um, the old Merck building, and we'll be at the library this for our next event. So we're intentionally not putting ourselves in the corner. Basically, we're putting ourselves in the spotlight in Missoula and making sure that there is visibility. Um, we're also partnering a lot with organizations who are looking for representation in their own events or at their own markets and and helping bridge those connections. Sure. Now, were you involved in Missoula on Main? Yeah. I seem to remember that you guys were part of the program. Um, of the entire sort of celebration into the new year. How was that? That was amazing. Um, we have been very fortunate to work with um, Heather Adams, Arts Missoula, and we have we are fiscally sponsored um, for the Indigenous Art and Talent Network through Arts Missoula, and that partnership has been uh, amazing and in- instrumental in helping create those connections. And Missoula on Main, we were in the Merck building and we were able to give opportunities to about 20 indigenous artists and businesses that have never had an opportunity. A lot of them have never had an opportunity to sell in that space and for us to be visible and for there to be intention behind putting us in the program and to give us um, top billing was was incredibly appreciated and necessary also for uh, visibility and uh, support, community support. So if Native artists, um, and, I, and I shouldn't even say if, I know that because of your network, Native artists will listen to this podcast. So listening to this, how does Indigenous Mate Missoula support individual artists? So when somebody hears this podcast now and they're going, oh, I want to be part of that, what do I do? What would they do? What would you tell them? Yeah, so they can definitely connect with us on social media or through our website, indigenousmademissoula.com. The support that we are providing is a network. So we have a strong network that we are basically empowering ourselves. So a lot of times up until now in this community, indigenous art and events are often hosted by non-indigenous organizations or people, which is great to have allies in the community, but it's also important for us to be able to have our own voice Absolutely. and empower ourselves. So that's right. really what our one of our missions and goals of the network is as well, is to support each other, to have space for each other where we're not educating somebody to speak for us. We're able right. to speak for ourselves right. and, and have that platform available for our artists to feel safe and 
be able to express themselves how they wish to. I think that just having a supportive community is also happening. So we're introducing each other to artists that we maybe didn't know before our markets happened. So we're creating almost like an extended family um, mm-hmm. where we're supporting each other, giving each other advice and suggestions or just visiting and having that close family um, at at markets and right. other events. That's been really really cool. Um, And then just having opportunities. We're getting requests for people from organizations asking, like, do you know somebody who can do this? Or do you have a person who's skilled in this area? So we're sending out those opportunities to our artists as often as we get them. So you're really sort of an information hub, not only for the artists that are interested, but also it goes both ways. You tell the artists about opportunities that exist that they might not know without your organization and the other way around. And all of this is done in the most authentic way because it's native artists talking to native artists rather than non-native artists or people, business people in general that are trying to facilitate something that's not authentic. So that must be the other real advantage of this is that it is from indigenous artists for indigenous artists. So that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and it also gives us like, like the ability to kind of vet different right. situations right. out. So we know like we've worked with this organization sure. and they're really great to work with. And so we can give those out, go give those opportunities out with confidence, knowing that this will be a good a good opportunity for you. Um, and then we're also able to use our platform to um, promote the artists and their work or events that they're working on. Who does Indigenous Made Missoula collaborate with? I mean, this sounds so wonderful, but I'm sure that you have other organizations in town that you work with to further spread the word. And who are those organizations and how do they uniquely connect to, uh, to Indigenous Made Missoula? We've been fortunate to work with, so far, some really amazing organizations. Our first event was during the Bear Tracks Bridge dedication ceremony, and we were able to work with the city of Missoula, Missoula County, as well as the Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes and the Salish Culture Committee. Um, For our second event, we were able to receive sponsorship through Jeanette Rankin Peace Center, Arts Missoula for our third event. Um, For the upcoming events, we do plan on... um, partnering with uh, organizations that what we've found is it's what's really important is intention, um, communication, and we're really find, trying to find organizations that would like to be allies and support what we're doing and help really just empower and uplift the Indigenous community as a whole um, with respect to how we see this this coming to fruition. Sure, sure. And so those organizations have been amazing in respecting our wishes and our vision and our goals and just doing what they can to help support that. And that's been uh, vital and amazing in the relationship between um, Indigenous Made Missoula and the Missoula community. This spring, we have a focus uh, on organizations that have... Um, made Missoula a more diverse community. And so my question uh, to you is along those lines, how does an organization like Indigenous Made Missoula contribute to the diversity of uh, and in a community? And 
perhaps the bigger question even, why is this important? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that is our mission, really, is to bring ourselves and our community into the spotlight. Indigenous people have always been here in Missoula, and I think that we you know, in our early conversations said, why aren't we downtown? Why aren't we at all of these events? And just realizing that we weren't being represented and wanting that to change for our daughters. And so that's personally really important to both of us and to our community. Um, But just bringing that education to the community of the land that we're on, the people that have always taken care of the land, that right. the people that are still here, um, and that we're contemporary people that are still here. I think it's really important um, to share that. Also, in Missoula and in Montana, we have such a huge tourist economy that comes through the state. I think that it's really important that as people travel through the state that sure. they do see representation sure. um, that's contemporary and current right. Right. for our indigenous people. Yeah. Absolutely. What makes Native American art unique? Do you have some specific examples you can share with our listeners? What makes, from your perspective, art very unique in telling a story or connecting people to a history or traditions or customs or values, those kind of things? Indigenous art is unique because of the indigenous experience. Right. I think when we've talked about defining, like, what does art mean? What does that mean to the community, but as well as ourselves? And really for indigenous art, it's that resiliency and that perspective had to come through so much um, within our lineage and just within our culture and our history. And that leaves this power And that sometimes can be expressed in so many different mediums. A lot of them can be traditional. A lot of times it's contemporary. And it's really however we choose to express who we are. And that doesn't necessarily have to fall into um, this traditional category. It can be um, we're expressing our contemporary view. It can be through the written word. There's just so many things that connect us to our culture, whether it's stories, whether it's images and those things are important for our children to continue to, for us to connect them to. So helping um, ourselves learn those techniques, learn those things means that we have to connect to our culture. We have to go back to our land, our people, and respect those techniques and those ways of learning and creating. And that our experience in this world influences what we make. And that's why it's so unique is because that is something that is... It's powerful and deserves representation, and every person who creates should have the ability to express for themselves what their story is. And I think for us, we just want to be able to give as many people as possible that opportunity to hear everyone. So like in going forward, it's definitely a huge priority for us to make sure that we're using our platform to uplift and give everybody a space to voices. So definitely stay tuned because we plan on having a lot of voices and stories coming through our platforms. Wonderful. So it's not so much about creating a piece of art for the sake of creating a piece of art. It's much more complex than that. And it's much more sort of the idea of how Native art can teach people about communities, about lifestyles, about history, about many things that are connected to the art. So the art itself may be the piece, 
that is the result of it, but the process of creating that piece and all the influences that go into that is much, much deeper and can actually teach people that are willing to listen a lot more than the piece of art itself. That's really, that's really neat. Because I sometimes have looked at art and sort of said, oh, it's a vase. Great, a vase. <laughs> yes. I have those at home. Vases for flowers. <laughs> and that's where it ended. But I didn't really ask myself, well, what is the specific clay that's used for that vase, let's say? Or what, what are the, you know, the decorations on the vase and where do they come from and what story do they tell? I just looked at the piece of art as sort of a practical thing. You know, this is a vase, great. But at some point, I started looking beyond the actual piece or a painting or whatever. I looked beyond that and I tried to sort of see what else there was and come to find out that oftentimes, almost always, there is a lot more to that, a rich story that is behind that people might not immediately see, but when they spend a little time looking at the piece of art or having a network of people that uh, would tell them, hey, you want to hear the story about this piece of art? Because there's actually a lot more in the background that you don't know. Then all of a sudden that piece of art becomes a, you know, a thing that comes alive and it's not that vase anymore or whatever it is that one looks at. So that's really, that's really cool. What specific services does Indigenous Mate Missoula offer to artists? And again, I'm thinking of artists listening to this today, hopefully. And, uh, and uh, you know, that kind of information I think is super helpful. Yeah, right now, I would say that the biggest things that we offer are that supportive network where we're providing as many opportunities as possible and then using our platform to help promote artists and their either their work, their websites, their events that they might be happen having in the future. We definitely plan for like workshops and yeah. networking events, really community, you know, having crafting nights. Um, times when we can just get together right. and our kids can be there. And so, so it's really just fostering this community environment sure. and sure. growing within our business and our experience together as well through all of this. Great. Thank you. Native Americans differ by the geographic area and lifestyle of particular tribes. How does that sort of increase the diversity even more? Because being Native means something different to each Native person, right? One might think Native Americans are, well, are all sort of the same group because they're all Natives, but they're actually all very unique based on the tribal affiliation that a person has. So how does that uh, come into play when we think about Indigenous-made Missoula? I think we definitely see that with our artists. We have a lot of different representation of different Montana tribes, but even different tribes outside of Montana. And then a lot of us are multiple tribes ourselves. So there's also that individual uniqueness that each of us brings. Um, and that that will show up in our art, the art that we do. Um, it'll show up in, I think, the, just our, idea, our ideas with like the advisory council, different traditions, different times of year that things might be happening. So yeah, I think there's just a lot of diversity within our group and even within the individuals in the group. 
So we've been very intentional about um, during the First Peoples Market, making sure that we have signage indicating um, each artist what tribe they're from. Okay. Because it's important, I think, for the community to uh, have that knowledge and awareness. Oh, absolutely. Um, that we are different tribes and that we're not a monolith. Um, right. I think it starts from as early as possible. Um, sure. We have had you know situations in our personal life and with our daughters where we do see that that's an issue in the community and we do see that this is something that's it's so crucial and it's something that is shouldn't just be left to the school system. It's something that should be community um, informed as well as pushed within in all avenues. So the more that we can represent that in whether it's our website, right. social media, just even physically at the markets is we're doing our best to make sure that that's very apparent in everything we do. So the markets are not only there to um, inform an audience about art products. The markets also have an educational component to tell people a lot of things they might not otherwise know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that we're noticing is there's a lot of people who have questions, you know, and there's sure um, it's really important for the conversations that need to be had that those questions can come into a place where they feel um, heard, but also that we can give the best answers possible for that. And sometimes that gets put on the artist and it can create like sometimes uncomfortable situations. But what we're finding is sometimes those questions can come through us and we can let people know, you know, it's, it's, it is important. You can buy this piece of art. You can wear these earrings. You can support these artists. And here's why. Right. So right. us trying to educate and have those conversations with people and just continuously doing this sometimes can help the artist. And sure. hopefully improve the quality of conversations that are being had in the community right. around those important issues. So Native American art is then also about preserving traditions of Native tribes. And could you speak about the importance of, of Native art in protecting Native culture? So sort of going off of the idea that the art is not just the art itself, but there's actually a lot more that that is at stake here. And that is if there isn't if there isn't a platform for native art, a lot of things could go away, like certain traditions or certain unique cultural aspects that are part of the art, right? Yeah, we we've talked a lot about like what what is art and we, how do we define art and we really came to that it's how you express yourself. And so for a lot of indigenous people, we're storytellers, and that's a huge way that we pass along our history is through storytelling, and that's something that is vital for sure. us to continue our traditions and learn our history. And then there's also dancing, and there's also singing, where a lot of those stories and history also um, pass passes down from one generation to another. And then... Those are expressive arts. Then when you get into like beadwork or quill work for Plains tribes, it's also storytelling. It's also opening opening up stories about your own family history, for example. So right. when we when we're learning how to bead, um, or I'm teaching my daughter, we often start talking about my mother and her grandmother and and sure. it just opens up those 
connections with a younger generation to be able to just have those conversations while we're creating something. Um, And then there's also a lot of, I think, like political or um, art that really expresses conflicts or issues that happen in contemporary times. And so like ledger art, for example, is a historical art that um, tells stories, that tells oftentimes of trouble or times of conflict, um, but then it's being used in a contemporary way as well to continue to tell stories. And so just having those pieces of art and those ways to express yourself that have been used for generations is really powerful, I think, and for preserving, a lot. And yeah. preserving culture in a exactly. way. Exactly, yeah. And I think it just opens up the opportunities to teach you sure. in the next generation sure. of like let's learn how to do it and use it and express yourself the way that you want to right and let's talk about where it came from and then just having those those teachings available and then right yeah so using i think traditional arts in a contemporary way mm-hmm. is really cool um and then a lot of us are still practicing traditional um arts or traditional mediums and preserving our culture that way and sure. so i think Equally, I think just using different avenues, we're really creative people and know how important our history and our culture is. And so keeping that, keeping it alive. Yeah. And the materials, like the the hides, the beads, the importance of like your colors, your designs. Um, when we create, when I was younger and my mom would teach me, she would tell me, you know, well, these are the family colors. These are the colors that we use. This is why we did it. My dad was a, a visual artist. And when he um, drew out my aunt's traditional outfit, you know, our name was Spotted Eagle. So he incorporated eagle feathers and just things are, like she said, is just very unique to each person, but also the way that we acquire these items and how important that is, um, whether it's quills, hides, feathers, um, all of those things have a certain respect and knowledge that goes behind that. And sometimes in Western culture, it can be seen as, oh, that's pretty. Let me use that shell. And then it's just kind of taken and that knowledge is left at that. And I think that's where it's really important for us to do what we can to push these these practices and inform that these materials often come through in very unique and respectable ways. So being thoughtful and being intentional about it rather than sort of doing it without that consideration is super important. Yeah, yeah, because the indigenous art economy really has developed with a lot of that respect and sometimes when those aspects are taken without knowledge behind them, it it's it can be harmful to the economy as a whole. Right. So with Indigenous Made Missoula in place now, and it sounds like you have already accomplished so much in just a short period of time. You had several uh, Indigenous markets, as you said. The last one was um, at... Uh, uh, at the end of the year, beginning of the new year. Um, where do you see your organization in five years from now? That's an exciting question. We dream out loud about that one all the time, too. Um, we hope to have a physical space in, that's prominent somewhere in Missoula um, where everyone is welcome to come and learn and support Indigenous artists. Um, We also dream that it could be a maker space Mm -hmm. or event center 
where um, indigenous artists can come and gather and be together and make art and have access to the supplies and the space that they need to do so. And then also to be able to host our own events in our own location. That would be um, one of the biggest dreams. We also hope to continue hosting events um, that are Indigenous-centered throughout the year in Missoula and then potentially expanding outside of Missoula. So it could be in the future that this could grow to Indigenous-made Montana. Yeah, we've talked about (laughs) that. Indigenous-made everywhere. (laughs) Indigenous-made everywhere because that would be naturally the, the progression of it would be that it grows out of the community here mm-hmm. and has the same success in in a wider community, therefore perhaps even statewide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for now, it is important to know that it is called Indigenous Made Missoula because this is where it started. Right. This is where the organization has its roots for now. And this is where all of the action and activities and events and all of that has taken place. But in the future... Um, you're saying this is certainly something that you could envision or that you have even talked about already. Yeah, and we definitely um, welcome all artists from all over Montana. We definitely don't necessarily, in uh, working with our artists, we don't recognize colonial borders. And so, you know, if you are indigenous, an indigenous maker, artisan, business person in Montana, definitely reach out to us and connect. So even if an artist, a native artist uh, that lived in Arizona, let's say as an example, moves up to here and would want to be connected to indigenous-made Missoula, it wouldn't have to be a local artist. It could be an artist that comes from another state and that wants to collaborate with you. That would also be um, uh, welcomed. Yeah, definitely. Great. For our listeners that wish to join Indigenous Made Missoula, or if there are community members who would like to support your organization, how and where can they do that? And where can they get additional information um, about the organization, its services? How would you, what would you advise those individuals to do? I would say the best place would be our website. So okay. it's www.indigenousmademissoula.com. Okay. And then we're really active on Instagram. Wonderful. Anything else that we haven't covered about Indigenous Made Missoula that you would like to talk about? Um, yeah, we have a lot of gratitude for the Missoula community. Um, very more specifically, the women of Missoula have just come and uplifted us in so many different ways and in so many different capacities. One of the biggest was through the Women's Giving Circle of Missoula County. We won a grant competition, a $10,000 grant competition, and it was an amazing learning experience for us, but also that community support and feedback and the networking was like essential and just kind of... (laughs) Like, it was just amazing. It was it was just an amazing time, and it was a time that we celebrated, and it was such a milestone for us that we just feel a lot of gratitude for the support and the amount of uh, people that have just come to the markets and have shown up and have listened, and we couldn't be more grateful for, for that, really. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing all that information about Indigenous Made Missoula. Um, I learned a lot just visiting with the two of you, and I would think that our listeners did as well. All the best to you, and um, I hope we get a chance to talk again, and hopefully not in five years, but at some <laughs> point in between, because I sure would like to know how things are going and how you're growing and how um, what kind of an impact you have, um, not only in the art community, but also in, uh, as we said, helping Missoula to become a more diverse place because you're creating that space for Native artists. So thank you both very much. Thank you. My guests for this April episode of International Voices were Leticia Buck Elk Thunder and Dacia Criego, co-founders of Indigenous Made Missoula. The 11 monthly International Voices podcast episodes in 2023 are exclusively sponsored by Or McDonald Law in Missoula, your advocates for all personal injury, family law, and landlord tenant matters. As always, thank you for listening. Those of you who are regularly tuning in to International Voices know, being of German descent, I usually end with a German farewell. Dankeschön fürs Zuhören. International Voices is brought to you by Arts Missoula Global and The Trail 1033. This and previous International Voices podcasts can be found at artsmissoula.org and thetrail1033.com.